0: Welcome to the face for radio podcast getting real too real
1: with the radio's finest.
2: All right. Episode six. Here we are. Thanks to everybody that uh, has liked the Facebook page at face for radio. Uh, also over on the Twitter, it's at face for radio. Again, we are wide open for sponsorships, which are completely affordable um, for any budget and of course, Face4Radio podcast is brought to you by Fitz Scripts. If you're a station manager, your sales team needs some fresh ideas, concise copy for client spots, but it's just not in the budget to bring on a full-time hire. Enter Fitz Scripts. Fits Scripts Marketing Consultancy is owned and operated by a big ideas radio geek, my friend, Laura. And she's got experience writing thousands of scripts for a variety of local businesses in both small and major markets to learn more, visit fitzscripts.com. That's F I T Z scripts.com fitzscripts compelling copy that fits. So for episode six today, uh, a, Again, I've been finding guests in a number of different ways. If they've been uh, old friends of mine that uh, I brought on to the podcast, um, there's also uh, friends of friends that are like, hey, you need to talk to this person, uh, same as it was with uh, Jim Lenaway. Uh, but then again, I've met some friends on the Radio Peeps Facebook page, and one of which I'm talking to right now. His name is Big Rick on the radio. He's got 26,000 followers on the Twitter. And as his uh, Twitter bio says, grew up in Evansville, Indiana. He's a proud dad. He's a Hoosier and a Colts fan. And he's the morning show host now on Goober 951 in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Welcome to the Face for Radio podcast, Big Rick.
0: Hey, how's it going, brother? <laughs>
2: it's nice to finally talk to you.
0: Yeah. You know, i got to give you a compliment. Uh, you, you're, a, you're a shark. Uh, you grabbed that name face for radio, and I'm very surprised that nobody grabbed that before you. Not, not that I'm saying you're not a creative genius. Right. But uh, when I saw that when you announced your podcast, I was like, oh, why didn't I think of that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, it's one of those things that happens in radio where there's like a little bit of a fog but like right behind yeah. the fog there's the, the 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 most obvious and the most perfect thing to either say or do and yeah. it was either going to be um radio magic or face for radio cuz i had yeah. i had a couple logos in mind radio magic it was going to be like a rabbit pulling a radio out of a hat and uh-huh. uh, and then i was like nah face for radio makes a little bit more sense so I, uh, I thank yeah. you. I'll, I'll take the compliment. I don't get too many of those. Um, you know,
0: I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, it, this may not serve me well saying this, but uh, many people know this about me. I have creative block when it comes to things like that. Like, uh, any job I've ever had, I've never been a copywriter because I just don't have that knack for writing copy. It's just not my thing. I'm more of like an ad lib, uh, excuse me, and not ad lib add a lib type of personality. Yep. And heck, even when I, when I cut commercials, I don't ever follow the script, which drives production directors crazy. Yeah. Uh,
2: I could see how that would,
0: <laughs> but uh, I feel like, you know, some people have the knack to write the copy and then follow the copy and inject the personality. I'm just the guy where I just want to inject the personality, uh, any way I can, because if you don't let me, it won't get done. <laughs>
2: I, I so. agree. And you know what? My sister-in-law works for an ad agency in, uh, in Baltimore. And I was talking yeah. to her about being out of radio and like where the next jump for a radio person is if it's not radio. Because we have all of these transferable skills, but yeah. uh, you know, from the outside, it's like, oh, you talk on the radio and you tell fart jokes for a living. And right. I was talking to her about like, what's the next step? You know, what could I do? And she's like, you know, the the advertising game has completely shifted with big advertisers. Say, we'll just take Coca-Cola. So Coca-Cola used to have four big ad campaigns every year. And yeah. And, you know, it was, the, it was whatever that perfect copy was. And she works with copywriters that need to find that perfect copy that is going to strike to the heart of the consumer. And she's like, now Coca-Cola has 1,400 ad campaigns because it's just popping things out on social media. And she's like, there is kind of a, a need for people that just pump things out without any real regard for if it's good or if it's bad, you just need to get it out there. And that's really what like newspaper yeah. and radio people do. It's kind of like what radio people do. It's just like, you know what? I've got a voice track, a four hour midday show. It's not, it doesn't have to be the perfect break. It's just gotta get, it's just gotta be good. It's just gotta be okay. You
0: know? So I, yeah, i funny been... you brought it. it's funny you, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to step on you there. Sorry You're about fine. that. Go ahead
2: no 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 it's just that you know when it comes to copywriting um sometimes if i sit and i think about it because being a program director in the former life that you know you're trying to find you've got to write the copy now it's not like you can give copy points to the copywriter who gives it to the production director it's all one job and right um you know it, it was like it was like okay well maybe there is a an, an avenue or a, a need for people like us that are just kind of churning out content all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's funny you brought this up. I was thinking about this the other day, and I want to get too far off track on what you have mapped out for the podcast. Uh, so just stop me if you want to come back to it. Oh, wait, um, first
2: off, what do you want me to call you? Just Big Rick?
0: Uh, well, just uh, Richard is fine. Richard? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, Rick is fine. <laughs> okay, Rick. Uh, uh, I, I think a, a, using that name is a formal way to, to, to chat with each other. It's probably a little awkward. So uh, when I talk to listeners, I just say, "Hey, just call me Rick," because okay. it just seems yeah. Uh, but you were talking about you know Coca Cola having fourteen hundred different campaigns now. I mean, just think about where we've come in the last ten years with social media, with new mediums. Podcasting one of them now. Um, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about, well, how, how is radio going to catch up with with all this stuff? It, it is it is a concern for me um, as, as a profession and, and as an industry. And I know a lot of people think they have the next big idea on how radio can evolve uh, throughout all these changes in advertising, the way advertising is you know, been and consumed. And, you know, uh, one thing I've made a focus of this year as a radio talent is I've actually – Reduce a lot of my social media because I feel like it's counterproductive to our product. Um, when is radio going to become that next social media channel? And uh, it's it's not about I'm not referring about putting memes or or, or doing um, doing crazy silly videos that's going to you know somewhat organically get a ton of likes and go viral. When is radio going to figure out what we do as? As a day in a day out type profession, how is that going to become another social media channel? Does that make sense to you?
2: No, not really. Maybe you could. Okay. Maybe you could dive a little bit further in.
0: Well, just think of it this way: Coca Cola had four advertising campaigns for the longest time. Now they've got fourteen hundred. Well, how are we going to use our product to to bring that to the table for advertising? And and what I mean is the the, the on air part of it, uh, instead of. You know, I, I know a big focus is music nowadays, but when is radio going to be able to depend on music formats in the next 20 years? I think that's going to be greatly reduced and it's going to come down to personality. Right. right? right. And, and, and that's been talked about for a long time. We got to bring the talent back, yada, yada, yada. Well, I think that time is now. Um, so how are you going to use your signal and, and, and create, Uh, Maybe not create 1,400 different ways to advertise, but what are 1,400 different ways we could be using our product to benefit advertisers and make radio attractive? You know, Uh, I I
2: talked with, uh, in one podcast with Jim Lenaway and his dad really was like the first DJ, like one of the first DJs. When radio stations were going from like, you know, entertainment programs where it was like radio shows, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they were moving. Exactly. Long, exactly. Those long form sh- shows that eventually came over to television and mm-hmm. he would be hired to be the first DJ that would be playing records and introducing records and interviewing people and stuff like that to, to what you think of radio now. So yeah, that's interesting that you think that there's going to be another big kind of evolution there, and a new yeah. er, and bringing a new era where it's like okay, the public owns this signal; they own this frequency. How are you going to right. serve the serve them without pumping out the same Thomas Rhett song thirty times a week? Or, right,
0: and I, 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 but when I see articles, and I want to be critical of people at Westwood One because I know a lot of people there, and you do too, because you work for Stimulus. Yeah, um, uh, there's a lot of great people that work there. But I feel like a lot of these blog posts that I keep seeing every other month about how radio is the most listened to medium still, and ninety nine percent of these people rely on radio for car buying, I just think that's really self serving. I don't think we're really digging deep enough to the yeah. root of our industry problem. Yeah, um, I, I'm just not buying it. And I work in this industry. You've worked in it. Um, I'm like, when does that when does that end? Uh, as far as, because it's not convincing advertisers, it's just not. Uh, so, you know, I, am a big fan of that thing. My dad used to tell me, don't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. And it's like, we're in that cycle right now where our industry just keeps cranking out the same old ideas and there's nothing new to the table. And that's where my creative block kicks in. Cause I myself have not thought of this, the solution to this yet, uh, except for, um, Maybe we need to start, you know, planning for twenty years down the road when maybe a music format isn't going to be as viable as, as it is right now or as it was twenty five years ago.
2: I mean, if you saw the um, most recent articles, the that that, uh, that the government, it, how, how did how did this? Let me let me see if I get because I didn't really. What ends up happening is you know I'm the stay at home dad now, and I yeah. see, and what ends up happening is I I when it comes to reading an article, I'm like a rock skipping across a pond. I'm like, just, I'm just like skimming, you know, the headline, the first couple, you know, paragraphs and I'm on. And I, I, that's really what I hope to do in 2020 is like, okay, this article, this topic, I'm going to dive into this instead of just a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, And as I understand the, uh, recording industry um, and, and the radio industry is that radio is going to have to start paying m- like more royalties to the artist and to the to the record companies am I am I getting that right do you know what I'm talking about yeah yes,
0: yes. I, I did see that article it, they've been at this for quite a few years but I think that uh, now they're getting enough support in Congress uh, it's kind of divided right now a lot a lot of congressmen are opposed to it and some are for it. And, and you'll see the ones that are for it are more bigger cities, you know, more urban districts. Uh, and the argument is, uh, and I could be wrong, somewhat wrong about this, but this is the take I took from it was, you know, just think about this. The record labels are working with Apple music, Spotify, uh, Pandora does not exist anymore. It got ate up by somebody. I'm but serious. the bottom line is, you know, it's, it, And radio is contradicting itself right now with this. It keeps saying Spotify and these services aren't even making a dent into terrestrial radio. Well, you're actually adding fuel to the fire for these record labels to say, well, Spotify pays. Why can't you pay? Exactly. Um, And I think that's going to be – I haven't seen the argument yet, but when I read it, I was like, oh, no, I can see it coming now. Yeah. This is going to be the argument. That is Um, the
2: argument, and and this ties into what you're talking about, about how – Now radio stations are going to have to find something else if, you know, they're already strapped for cash. If they're, if they're letting me go, if they let two other people go in the building they're already strapped and they're, you know, I'm talking big, big companies. I'm talking about the iHearts and the cumuluses and the intercoms of the world that own like a bunch of stations and, and, and carry a bunch of debt is that they're already trying to find different ways to slice it up to save money. And if they get hit, if they get hit with that big bill, then that means that they're going to either have to cut more people or cut staffs or sell off stations or something because that's going to be a gigantic bill to take on to continue doing whatever brand you want. So is yeah. is that the the catalyst? Is it the, the the big bang that brings radio into a different era of
0: all talk?
2: Uh you know what well, I mean?
0: Is it is it Let's re- well, let's rewind a bit. I mean, how did the WPLJ deal not frighten everybody? Um, I mean, just think about that for a second. Cumulus did not sell that station because of the format or its personalities or its billing. They literally, if you look at the agreement, they literally just sold the tower, the equipment, the frequency. Call letters didn't even matter to EMF because the way they see it is, it's just another tool in their arsenal. The spread the K format nationwide
1: mm-hmm. because
0: their business model is quite frankly a lot different than some of the bigger companies. Um, I mean in a way they're similar because you've got like iHeart with the you know, with the uh with the KISS FMs and the alt format, whatever. Um but uh it's not been done on a larger scale like they probably would have hoped to have done, you know, by now. But you know, EMS has got it figured out. Um you know, they only have to retain one air staff per format and they can buy as many signals as they want as long as they're raking in cash from fundraisers. Um, I also think that that business model is detrimental to radio and there needs to be a cap put on it because, uh, you know, EMS, if they wanted to, if they had the money, I think they would buy any any and every signal they could. Um, And, uh, I mean, my hat's off to them for being smart and playing the system. But, you know, this is where you know, commercial radio needs to adapt and adapt quickly because if that WPJ W, yeah, PLJ or whatever, yeah. uh, I know I got the call letters fixed up no, there. No, you got it. It's if,
2: PLJ. It, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, PLJ. If that doesn't scare you, like, I don't know what will. I mean, what, what was the rock station in Chicago that, that got sold right before that?
2: Wasn't it um, Was it 101? It was
0: something 101.
2: It,
0: it was The Loop. The Loop. Yeah, the Loop. That's and, what it was. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought that would scare everybody. I mean, you're selling iconic brands just to pay down your debt. And, like that, and, and it's also... That should be alarming to people uh, in our industry, very alarming. And it's, for some reason, it hasn't done anything. Um, so, you know, that that's uh, I won't say that's the main reason I left one of the big boys to go where I am now, which is a mom-and-pop owner, but I will say it didn't help... <laughs> It's a it's an
2: interesting game that the big companies are playing. Cumulus, uh, iHeart, uh, Intercom, um, and, and even some of the some of the uh, the smaller uh, smaller companies that are still own you know multiple markets is that you're yeah. trying to be the biggest that you can be in the market that you're in. So you have more, right. you have more brands that can spread around. So the reason that Cumulus is like, I gotta, we gotta get out in New York is that they only had maybe two frequencies, two brands to, to sell where other companies maybe had four or five in their arsenal. Right. So that's just something that they can tack on. A, sales per- a salesperson can go into company XYZ and say, you know, what kind of audience are you looking to hit? Oh, I'm looking to hit the 35 year old male that makes, you know, 60 K a year. It's like, Oh, well, okay, well here, we've got this rock station for you. And you know, if you sign up now, we'll throw in the pop station and we'll throw in the sports station too. So you can, you know what I mean? So you have more in your arsenal and that's what these companies are really trying to do is like be stronger in where they are instead of like, oh, hey, look at us. We've got a radio station in New York. Oh, yeah. we've got a radio station in San Francisco. It's like, it's not doing you any good.
0: Well, I, I've, uh, and and many people will disagree with me because uh, I've made this argument before. I felt like, you know, almost a decade ago that the, the iHearts, the Cumuluses, whatever, those big companies, the first move they should have made was was to divest all their small markets. And let that be local radio. Again. Find local owners. Yeah, they're not going to make all their money back on all these stations they overpaid for, but pennies on the dollar is better than nothing. Pay your debt down that way. And if, if it were me running iHeart or Cumulus right now, I wouldn't have left New York. Heck no. Right. Um, I would have I stayed in all of my major markets and, and maybe uh, most of the media markets that you own and put all your resources into those because that's where you belong. That's where, if you're going to have corporate radio, that's where... It would probably work the best because then you could rely on syndication a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, and you could put a lot of money behind those programs. Th- that's the one thing iHeart is getting right. You know, they've made a big investment in Bobby Bones, for example, very successful show. Uh, I'm not a fan of everything he does, but it's working for them, of course. Um, and there's not too many markets where he's not doing bad in the top ten or in the middle of the pack, which is okay in some places. Um, uh, now, again, I'll have my disagreeers there. The other thing is, you know, wh- when is, when are we going to get to the point where where we say there's too many translators, there's too many signals? Uh, it's like Major League Baseball has retracted a couple of times in its history because it has too many teams. Yep. Uh, I feel like radio is getting to that point. Instead of just covering up your deficiencies by just putting another translator on the air, when is it going to be smart for you to say, eh, maybe we don't need as many signals as we thought? And, you know, it's like a card will send to turn in a license nowadays, but if you keep losing money on it, why would you keep it?
2: That's a good
0: um, point. A, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think that would actually help the radio landscape because, you know, there is such a thing as too many choices. I like and the- I think a lot of, a lot of listeners are confused by why there's so many radio stations where they live and
2: that was one of my major uh (laughs) my major obstacles here in harrisburg is that there were so many there were so many country stations in the market there you know and i'm you know we're trying to like find a little niche of country and um uh you know, maybe like a mix of new and a mix of old, but you know, there's already like three heritage, maybe four heritage brands, and it's like, okay, we're gonna bring in this Nash brand, and it's gonna take everybody's attention. Now, if you, yeah, if you are a country fan, you've got your brand. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter if my 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 morning show. Is, uh, is, is is out and about and knocking on doors and doing a bunch of stunts because you're already set in your ways. You've got, right. you like Coca-Cola, you like Bob 94.9. You know what I mean? It's, yep. it's, it's the thing in your arsenal that isn't going to change. So that was one of my major uh, obstacles here in Harrisburg of like constantly trying to crack you know these brands that have been around at least twenty years.
0: Yeah, it's it's a and, well actually. You know, I don't want to contradict you, but it was the opposite for me in Boise, and we could we could talk about that that experience experience of my life, by the way. So uh, I I can't say that I regret going there. However, in that market, very similar to your story, however, four country stations. Okay, yeah. The two that the two that I worked for were the iconic country stations. AQFC, QFC. Okay. Which is no longer country as of a couple months ago. And and then is the end. Well, of course the Nash FM thing happened and they had to pick a station to put it on. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, they were th- those two stations were fighting for building and ratings, number one and number two, in the market overall.
2: And they were owned by the and, same
0: company. One was the Legends format, one was new country format. Ah, and, yep, yep. You know, they had their niches, okay. So then you flip it to Nash and of course that playlist is going to be new country. Cause at the time the icon format had not rolled out yet. Uh, okay. So now you've got two stations in the building doing the same exact thing and they're pulling each other down.
2: Yeah. Cannibalizing well, square,
0: each other. Yeah, pretty much. So as the ratings start dropping town square realizes, Oh, well we could just put a country signal on the market and that gave birth to K A W O wow country one Oh four three. And for quite a while after my arrival there, Wow Country was kicking the crap out of us hmm. because the fans resented the change at KQFC, and which in turn you had to make some minor changes to KIZN because you didn't. You know, my program director Hank—he's he's trying to like battle himself, basically. He's it, let alone battle this other station down the road. And then a few months later. Uh, a small mom-and-pop operator in Boise, Impact Media, put 101.9 The Bull on the air. And they and guess what they did? They got right in KQFC's lane and went commercial-free for almost a year and played nothing but traditional country. And that's where every single one of those listeners went. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I arrived at NASH FM in Boise, a couple years removed from all those changes, I mean, we were next to dead last in the ratings.
2: Because of um, all the cannibalizing that was happening and, that, and, that people, was and, and people going, yeah. what's going on here? And, and that's, and, yeah. and that's that really, let's talk about when, when, when formats or when, when decisions are made from an ivory tower that haven't been to Idaho, haven't been to boiling green haven't been to these markets and they're just like, well, this is just going to, th- we're just pushing this brand down because that's, that's what we have. And how, right. and how that message that's coming from New York or from Atlanta or wherever that they're, you know, that they're making these decisions, how that affects just an individual listener of yeah, it's, it's set. Like I, I, I know whenever I put on, you know, uh, whenever I put on, you know, ninety three point five in Harrisburg, I'm gonna get some George Strait. I'm gonna get some uh, Kelsey Ballerini, and and I'm gonna like that mix. And then all of a sudden, it's just Sam Hunt, Thomas Rhett, Jason Aldean, and it's just like yep. it's just like the very top ten hits being played. And you're like, well, wait a second, I, I thought every once in a while I got myself a I, th- I got myself an Alan Jackson. I got a, you know, a, yeah. you know, so you're, you're messing with somebody's life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would be yeah. like, it's like Coke rolling out new Coke. It's like, no, no one asked for new Coke. We just wanted the same old recipe that we've been drinking our entire career, <laughs> our entire life. Yeah. So th- those, those, uh, big radio, um, changes, you know what I mean? That are, that are yeah. pushed down. And you know, spread across like, uh, you know, just like, uh, like, like the virus in Independence Day, you know, that just oh, yeah, that was messy, (laughs) right? Yeah, that's that's what ends up happening is like, you know, you've got the mothership and it's the message is sent, and all of a sudden it's just messing up everything. Um, yeah,
0: and it's like, I'll tell you what, the hardest thing to overcome, uh, is. Uh, not only that, but like when I would go out to remotes in the market, I would say, hey, you know, my Rick, I'm the new afternoon guy. And uh, I'm like, what do you think of Nash FM 97.9? And almost every answer was, well, it used to be Idaho country. Uh-huh. They didn't even know that. They didn't know the call letters. They didn't know the frequency. They knew the slogan, right. which was local to them. Idaho country, been Idaho country for probably 30 years. Is my guess. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I just don't get the Nash thing. And I would try to explain it. Well, it's it's Nashville. It's all about the the Nashville lifestyle. And they would look at me like I had two heads. Well, you idiot, you're in Idaho. it's a totally different lifestyle out here. There's rodeos. There's real-life cowboys. Uh I mean, that's like the real West out there. Mm -hmm. Even for a big city, I was blown away about how cowboyish it was there. Uh, I mean, they have open carry in, you know, public buildings, like you can bring, you know, there's no firearm license there. (laughs) Like it's the wild west. It is like a mass shooting would never happen in Boise because I would be, I would be more terrified of the the good citizens carrying guns everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you know, about three months in, I was like, Oh, Oh no. (laughs) <laughs> right this is not good right because you're uh, trying
2: to change you're trying to change a culture that is that is that isn't going to change you know what right. i mean you're you're trying to change yeah. an attitude you're trying to change a routine that isn't going to change i'll tell you what happened with me in harrisburg is whenever i was hired it they had just put uh country on 106.7 and uh country on 106.7 was always Z107. It was country for the longest time, and then somewhere in the mid-2000s or somewhere, it changed to uh, from Z107, which was a monster. It was a monster frequency. It still is a, a monster frequency. It Everybody listened to it. It was always number one. It was... Z country or Z one Oh seven. Everybody knew that, that brand. And then it went to, then it went to cat country and people were okay with that for a while. And then it just went away from country. It went to like a pop and then a couple different, you know, pop variations. And then whenever I took it over, they launched it as Z Country 1067, the iconic brand, giving people exactly what they want. Where did Z Country go? It's resurrected. Here it is. And we were humming. We're like... We're like, you know, people are like, oh my God, so great to have this, you know, frequency back. It's back to, it's so great that it's back to country. Everybody knew all the variations that it went to. You know, if you're out at remotes, you're talking to people, people are coming up to you and I'm new to the market. They're coming up to me like I, they, like I'm an old friend. Like they haven't seen me. It's a high school reunion. Hey, yeah, where you been? Who you been up to? You know, they're coming up to me talking about how much they love this brand, how much they grew up with this brand. Their parents listen to this brand. This is like so great to see that it's back. And within a year and a half, they flipped to the Nash, and we never were able to, you know, regain that momentum. Yeah. If if they wouldn't have, if they would have just kept with the iconic Z Country, we would have. I I I have no doubt that we would have been able to at least make some gains on the, on the legacy stations. But when you're, when you're in Pennsylvania, when you're in Idaho, when you're in, you know, uh, Green Bay and you're like, we're Nash FM, that local market is really going, well, is it just a station coming from Nashville? Because the average person doesn't know the ins and outs of radio, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, quite honestly, it was a station coming from Nashville. (laughs) You're right. You're right. They kicked it off with America's Morning Show, and and of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I love I love Blair Garner, and, and we had, they had Terry Clark to begin with, and then eventually, uh, you know, Kelly Ford was on the show, Ty Bentley, all great personalities. But I mean, that's what happened. Uh, they, I just don't understand how much, like, I I don't think a lot of thought was put into how this was going to be rolled out, and I I think that's that was the downfall right away was you didn't have a way to introduce it to the community. There was, you know, in a lot of the markets, there was no television advertising, which is, I think is what would have been required Mm -hmm. to make such a big change. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it just, and it could have been re it could have been thought of, and maybe there just was no resources, but Hey, we've all this money into it. We got to roll it out. You know, I, I think that's how, how it was done. I could be wrong. I wasn't there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you another story real quick, and, and uh, if you want to move on, we can. Um, but, you know, the, the the radio station I listened to as a kid in Evansville, Indiana, was 96 SPO. 96 SPO. Back in those days, at some point in its heyday, had a 20 share. A freaking 20 share. That's, like, that's, no,
2: it, that's not a shock to me, because in previous podcasts, yeah. I'm talking to guys that, that had, like, like 40s and 60 shares in some of their markets. Yeah. I mean, it's not but, unheard of. Uh, yeah, but like, I, I mean, how how old are you?
0: I'm 38.
2: Okay, so you're just a couple years older than me. So you're we're coming of age and listening to radio right around the same time. Go ahead.
0: The, early, the the late 80s, early 1990s is when I really discovered radio and paid attention to it as as a, not only as a kid but as a radio geek. So. You know, the, the lineup they had on that station from 1988 to 1995 was just legendary. Uh, it was, you know, I feel like it was one of the few golden ages of, of radio, golden ages of radio in modern times. Um, but then in the late 90s, because of the way pop music was, was changing, you had, you know, you had rap, the rap influence, you had the grunge influence, and pop was really struggling, okay? Mm-hmm. So now you're introducing... You're getting away from 80s hits and early 90s hits, and you're transitioning to mid 90s, heading into the 2000s type music, which is all great music. However, you had, you had this crisis of mom n- never hearing this type of music before. I mean, I remember when they refused to play rap songs with cuss words in them, and now you, you can almost get away with anything on commercial radio, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was a really strange time for, for Top 40 music. And now you see was like right in the middle of it. You know, you're the dominant station. Okay. What do you do? Do You go with the trend to keep your young listeners, which at that time, six pluses and 12 pluses were still valuable. Mm-hmm. And, but you also got to keep the decision makers there too. The twenties and thirties something. Well, they made the decision to go in the more younger direction and, On top of that, they decided, for whatever reason, to rename the station the new mix 96STO. And when that happened, that's when that station started to decline. Um, And I think it was because nobody understood, well, what does it mean, the new mix? Like, I get what they're trying to do as a radio nerd, but as a consumer, they're like, why don't you just call it 96STO? And I think that by doing that, you annoyed listeners. Right. You turn them off because now you're making changes to what they've known for the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And my argument was, has always been, and will be, if you would have just left the branding alone and introduced the musical changes, that would have evolved on its own. Why do you need to go do all this extra stuff? Um,
2: Yeah. It's like, it's like idle hands, you know, it's like, well, if we're, if we're changing it, we got to change the name too. It's like, it's like, you, you don't have to overthink this.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that's part of radio's problem, even to to this day, is, oh, well, if this format has not moved up two or three shares and three books, we got to do something. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it alone. Let it blossom. And if it struggles after a couple of years then you need to look at some changes, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm seeing formats flip in less than a year now. Like, what are you doing?
2: Dude, you're, it, you're- that's what got me. That's what, that's what, it, It's exactly what got me. Uh, Z country was humming. We flipped to Nash, got a new morning show. You know, got America's Morning Show, then it was the, and then Ty Bentley came in and took over, and I moved over to, I was in Mornings, I went over to Afternoons, and then whenever, you know, everything from Nashville really wasn't panning out, they were like, hey, we're thinking of doing a frequency flip, and we did that, and I went to Mornings, we stayed with the Nash name, but I went back to Mornings. (laughs) and uh i came up with the phrase because i was like look we've been pumping stuff in from nashville i was like we've been calling ourselves the nash nation or listeners the nash nation i was like we're going to have to do we're going to have to be hyper local so I came up with the phrase "your neighborhood country" with the the whole you know fa- flowery uh, images of what a neighborhood yeah. is. You know, neighborhoods. There's kids playing. There's neighbors getting along. They're helping out. They're bringing pies. Or you know, just those those nice, familiar, friendly you know themes that go along with the neighborhood and we started playing a little bit more George Strait, Alan Jackson, Reba and mixing in some newer stuff so it was more of like an icon mix but we just weren't calling it icon and uh, that that launched in March of uh, 2018 and October of 2019 they're like yeah it's not working out it was like okay, well, Hey, great effort. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's right. like whenever I'm trying to teach my daughter how to ride a bike. And the first time that we go out to ride, she's like, I don't like this, whatever. I'm never riding a bike. It's like, you, you gotta give it some time. <laughs> you gotta, yeah. you, you gotta get on the bike a, a little bit, ride it a little bit and get some feel for it. It's the, yeah. you know, giving it up that quick. They, they didn't give up the brand. Uh, they, they, they actually wanted to, but they didn't have the money to, so they didn't give up on the brand. They just gave up on the morning show and paying
0: anybody to be on the station. So, right. I mean, if you go look, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The few stations that have stuck with it, the same name has done the same thing for the community. Uh, and actually I would argue maybe some of those stations don't do as much as they say they do. And they still are number one because they focus on the community. They focus on the listeners because they know those people are smart that running those stations know you can get the music anywhere. You can get the country music news anywhere. Yep. I can Google it, it and it may not even be a Nash country Daily.com article that pops up. It might be taste of country because I, I think they're better at it. Uh, just personally, that's what I think mm-hmm. uh, they understand how to do content and they do it well and they're consistent with how they do it. That's winning radio. Uh, it's not about having necessarily the best personalities. It has. It's all about having the most committed personalities, the, the ones that commit to the community and understand that it's not about them. It's about your listeners, and it's about the community at large. Those are the winning stations. And, I mean, there's one in every market. Oh, yeah. One that's got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So why can't we just start looking at examples in our own industry and not have to have Twenty consultants try to tell us what we what they think we should be doing. Rick,
2: let's um, let's, I, let's talk about your career. How did you? Let, let's talk about your jumps. You start you start in in Evansville. Oh man,
0: <laughs> been everywhere. Um, yeah. So, and actually, uh, it Evan, it's considered Evansville, but a little town in Mount Vernon, Indiana. Age fifteen, uh, I started out in radio as a as a board operator. Okay. From age th- from age thirteen to fifteen, I bugged the crap out of these people to the point. <laughs> where they just finally decided to hire me just to shut me up. Right. And that didn't shut me up. It made me more motivated. Um, so I started off on the AM station board-offing, uh, you know, baseball games. Uh, that part of Indiana is half Cardinals, half Cubs. Okay. It's a very, very toxic mix. And I'm a Cardinals fan. So, uh, you know, all, all the Cardinals haters, hey, what's up? Uh, anyways, <laughs> so we would take delay the Cubs games because – uh, no, I'm sorry. We would tape delay the St. Louis Cardinals games because you never knew what Jack Buck was going to do. You never knew what you never knew what was an actual network break or a local break. Yet, you you, I mean, you had to do that live. Okay. And the Cubs, the Cubs radio network. Harry Carey was still doing games back then. I mean, that's I, crazy to me. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I would do the the Cubs games uh, live, and then we would tape delay the Cardinals, and then I would, you know, on a Saturday. I would run maybe a double header of the Cubs and then a Cardinals game all the way until like 11 o'clock at night. I mean, I was there all day. Um, so, I mean, that's how I got going. And uh, that was at WPCO. And then they had an FM station, WBLD. And uh, that was like for a while, it was country. Then for a couple of years, they decided to compete against WSTO and go top 40. It was called the Monster. 1067 The Monster and a couple of books they did pretty well, and then they ran out of money. Mm. So, um, you know, it, it never caught any fruition, but I got to help uh, somewhat launch that and be a part of that as a, as a weekend talent. And uh, then the rest is history from there. Um, and then I kind of jumped around some part time gigs in Evansville uh, in the early years. And then I went up to Muncie and uh, worked at WLBC. And, um, then I went to, where did I go after that? I can't remember now. Oh, then I went to Owensboro. Okay. And uh, was at Q102. Then I went up to Marion, Indiana for a year and was at, uh, at still Star 106.9. We launched that format. And then I went to Cumulus at WMDH in and, and Muncie as well. And uh, then I went down to a little station near Cincinnati and in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, called Eagle Country 99.3. And then I left there to go to Boise. And now I'm in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So you're
2: you're pretty close to home, being in Bowling Green. Yeah, that's not that's yeah, not. Yeah, I was. that's not too far. Yeah, away. I was just
0: up in I was just up in Evansville uh, about three weeks ago. It's just a two-hour drive, and went up and you know went backstage and hung out with Old Dominion for a little bit. You know, got got to see those guys again. And, and, so it's, it's really nice.
2: Bowling Green is in a really great location, being just yeah. just north of Nashville, especially because because you're you're still spinning country.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're 100,000 watts. We get into the Nashville market, actually. Uh, I won't say that we're a player in the market by any means, but we do have listeners down there. And a lot of the country country artists uh, are familiar with us because we're up the road and they can hear us. So uh, we do get a lot of Nashville love, which is great. So it's kind of like I'm still in Boise, but I'm not. Like, I'm doing all the same things I was doing there, but I'm doing it in a smaller market, which is awesome.
2: So you're you're so, on in the morning by yourself.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and and that's uh that's like tentative, you know. I, I think at some point we might bring on a co-host, but that's uh that we really haven't had you know serious discussions of that yet. But I think eventually that's what it's going to go towards. So I'll have a co-host at some point. Uh, but right now, um, I'm just getting the because t- uh, quite frankly, you know, WGGC has always been a top three station here, but they've had a lot of turnover in morning. Got um, it. So, you know, the name of the game right now is just to play a lot of music, do a lot of good content, but, you know, be brief and just get people familiar with the show. And then once we see some, you know, hopefully some bumps in the ratings here, we we can make some adjustments and add to it.
2: So who Uh, who owns uh, Goober 95.1?
0: So it's a small company called Heritage Communications and it's family owned. Bill and Darren Evans, uh, a son and uh, father and son own it. And uh, the dad kind of owns the stations up in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, just up the road from us. Uh, it's in between Bowling Green and Louisville. Okay. Uh, and and then WGGC is a standalone station here in Bowling Green. So we're you know it's just one radio station. And then Darren also owns a smaller station a couple of counties away, uh, a little three thousand water. That's uh, kind of like a community you know county radio station. It does very well. Um, and and that's pretty much it. So, so tell me about the market.
2: Um, tell me about the Bowling Green market. What have? You, how long have you been there? And 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 what have you learned so far?
0: See, I got there uh, here. Uh, my first day was April first. So that's what nine months. Yeah. It, am I doing my math right there?
2: It's so uh, you no, know I've been here
0: less. It
2: it's yeah. Not we'll call it nine months. Sure.
0: Yeah, close yep. to nine
2: months.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So it's an interesting market. Um. Honestly, I haven't. I've only met a couple of personalities here. So uh, because I've been so busy, uh, it's kind of like a one-man show. You know, you know how to do a morning show. I mean, you've done it. It's uh, it's weird hours, and, you know, you still have a lot of time to go out and meet other radio people, but the couple I have met, uh, Brooke over at WUHU, W-U-H-U, which is the perennial <laughs> top 40 here.
2: That's a, uh, for a, that's a great name for That's a great name for That's a great it, call letters. Called. Yeah.
0: I love their slogan, by the way. It's it's all hit, woohoo! One oh seven, it's one oh seven one on the dial, uh, and it's been woohoo for, for uh, I think since the early nineties. So it's it's a station, huh? Go figure. That's either number one, two, or three in the market, like consistently with with us and then the other country station. They left it alone. Yep, they left it alone. <laughs> they haven't messed with it. And for, like, for you know,
2: for those of you listening to the podcast right now, like ratings. Especially in Bowling Green, in Harrisburg, and anything, any market that's like below 50, it's all diary markets. So that's how they do yeah. the ratings. So, you need to remember the human element of remembering what station you're listening to is in play. The bigger markets, they have a little uh like a little beeper looking thing that, you know, stations are encoded so you don't have to remember what you're listening to. So this is what radio people are up against is the fact that you you not only do you have to get people listening to your station, they have to remember that they were listening to your station right. because they get a book and it's like what were you listening to at 7:15 in the morning? And you're like, well, that's whenever I was driving into work. I was listening to country. Uh, what station do I know?
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's- and, and you've, seen, you've seen those diaries. I mean, I'll never forget in Boise when they moved me over to KIZN. KIZN's been country for like 35 years, okay? okay. The call letters are very distinct. K-I-Z-N, 92.3. Okay, great. You've been there 35 years. I look at a diary, and I swear to you, it said one hundred one point nine kizn. It, it doesn't count. <laughs> right. It doesn't count. Uh, and it doesn't and count as a whole point. Yeah, and Hank and I are like, oh my god, please stop this. <laughs> and there was like four diaries like that. Like we would have had a ten share, right? Uh, by our estimates, if we had those four <laughs> diaries. Uh, but, you know, it, you know that, that goes to another problem, and, and I don't want to get too far off track, but like you were saying to your listeners, remember your station. Well, you know what? It's not their fault. I think it's our fault as an industry because we've got too many signals, too many brand changes. Um, you know, it, 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 I think it's a huge problem, and it's got to stop. Like, even with the big companies, you got to stop messing with stuff. Let your brands develop. Right. And the ones that are really are struggling, instead of changing it, put some money behind it. Figure out what's not working. And if you've got to change out talent, I, I would argue, I think that's fair. Because our jobs are performance-based. And if we're not getting the job done, changes in that department need to be made. Uh, but quit messing with the brand. And, and that's why there's so many ratings challenges in so many markets. Uh, it's just too volatile. you got to take a step back and just let things play out for at least a couple of years if not longer if you're committed to those brands and the good companies like um, you know like Hubbard radio they're they're kind of that way they don't really mess with stuff too much right uh, Cox media is another great example they don't really mess with things too much um, I think those those mid-sized companies even Town Square media give them some credit they haven't messed with a lot of their brands and because they're like, they, they, they value do, the brand. It's an iconic brand. They you also know?
2: have they these other smaller companies. Yes, they have some stockholders, but they don't have the the big, huge stockholders that yeah. Cumulus and iHeart have. So when it comes when when you start making changes just to appease stockholders, it's the wrong way to go about business.
0: Period. Yeah, you know. I'll even give iHeart iHeart some credit to their credit. You know the only time you ever see format flips with iHeart are like translators and small stations. Like they don't mess with the big dog stations. No. They never have. Yeah. No. Uh, so even, you know, I can't really be too hard on them. Honestly, my former employer Cumulus, that's the one I'm going to be hard on. They just keep messing with stuff. Quit messing with it. <laughs> just leave <laughs> that's it alone. My message to you. <laughs> and, and, and those who are listening and know me, they've heard me say this before. So they're not surprised. Right. Um, right. but, uh, yeah, man. Um, you know, it, it, I think that, you know, and it goes back to the beginning of our conversation about how does radio evolve? That's, I think that's the very first step right there is what I'm talking about. And then really take a hard look at our business model, like from the core and figure out, okay, this is what we've been doing for a long time. And this, we notice that these things don't work and we've got to change that. What, what can we do to change this or, or even eliminate it because it's just not working. Um yeah it's I, almost I mean, like a lot of
2: sense. it's almost yeah. like uh Norfolk Southern if if they yeah. would have realized that they were in the people moving business there would have been a Norfolk Southern air air airline right it's it's realizing what does radio do what is the main basis you know what i mean <laughs> if if you had to draw it up in like two or three bullet points what does radio do and yeah. and just and then just focus on those bullet points instead of yeah. well we're, we 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 help out charity and we also uh, give away cash every hour you know in in uh, september and you know it's like well wait, wait a second, wait, slow down slow down what do you do you know what i mean do you entertain yeah. do you inform do you um Do you, do you, you know, support the community? What is, what is the main functions of, of the business and then really drive your attention toward, you know, lifting up those bullet points.
0: Right. And you know, you make a great point there. You asked about my show. So if you don't mind, I'll share with you when I got here, what I decided my show was going to be. Um, is that okay? Or yeah, of
2: course. I mean, yeah. This is, so, this, there's, I don't really have a, a set idea or a set format for this podcast. Okay. It's, it's really And the hope was, Hey, you're a radio guy. Let's talk a little radio. If we get off track, no big deal. You know what I mean? If yeah. we stay just talking about radio, fine, that's fun. You know what I mean? So, so go ahead.
0: So the, the whole, the hole in the market that I realized in Bowling Green, uh, and, and I've exploited some of the political climate here. It's, it's a very Republican state. It's so secret. Kentucky just is. Um, and here in this region, you have two very prominent U.S. senators, Rand Paul, and then you've got Mitch McConnell, and then some very influential congressmen on the Republican side. And I'm like, wow, we have a powerhouse of very, very high top dog politicians in this little area of the country. Mm-hmm. So what can I do with that without being... Political on the show, because you want to avoid that. You don't want to take sides. So what I did, what I what I presented to the owner when he interviewed me was, listen, here's the hole in the market. You don't have anybody that's hyper-focused on localism, and it's not just about covering the big sale at the church. You're covering big issues, too. Um, you, you can almost take a journalistic side to it. And then you've got country music, which is very, very conservative, you know, loyal fans, and, and they're willing to listen To anybody and everybody, I believe they're more open-minded than you think. So I made that argument. I said, let's create a couple of segments. The first one is going to be called State of the State. And I'm going to invite these senators and congressmen on, and we're not going to talk politics. We're going to talk about what they're elected to do, which is talk to the constituents about real issues. And uh, I think that can be kind of muddied up when you say that nowadays, because people are trying to do the gotcha journalism and you know, get, get the controversial hot take from somebody and make a big deal about it. Right. That's not my game. My game is get them in the studio. They're a friend of the station, whether they're Democrat or Republican, and they have a voice on a 100,000-watt signal to get their actual message out on what they're trying to do for their for their uh, you know, constituency. So my first guest was Rand Paul. I mean, Rand Paul is a very polarizing figure right now in politics obviously a big Donald Trump supporter. And I didn't do that because my base is country music. I, I, I went, went with him first because I thought, you know what? He's probably the biggest thing. If I get this guy on, I'll get all the others on. Yes. And it's, wor- it's worked out that way from state senators on up to the congressman. I mean, it's been terrific. And that is probably my, my most popular segment now. And in addition to that, I added the podcast uh, uh, component because I'm only playing – Two to three minutes snippets of the record, because I record these interviews. I don't do them live. Yeah. And for, for good reason, because if they slip up and go political, you know, I have a way to cut them off and not put it on the air. Right. I, I feel like that's the best way to do it. So I take these two or three segments, uh, depending on how much content I've got, and I run them in the six o'clock hour at random. It could be a Wednesday. It could be a Monday. Whenever I get these people in, I run it the next day. Got it. Um, and then I create the podcast, which might be a 25 minute conversation with them in studio or over the phone of course and then you say hey you know uh uh, Rand Paul talked about new funding for this that 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 hear what he said about Donald Trump in my podcast like that's how you direct people to digital content Mm -hmm. uh, because you leave them wanting more and it's my most popular segment on the show by far I mean I get all kinds of emails and they're not nasty emails they're actually very you know good opinions, nobody ever bashes me because I'm not taking a position here. I'm just a moderator. Exactly. You know? And and I think that's how you get away with that on a country music station or a top 40 station. Don't try to be more than what you are.
2: I brought <laughs> I, I just, brought the, before, probably three or four weeks before I was let go, I had the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, uh, John Fetterman, yeah. who's just a, he's just a, a, a really interesting guy. And yeah. I go, come on in. We're, we're, we'll go live I was like but here's the thing we're not talking politics not mm-hmm. we're not allowed I was like we're not allowed to talk politics I go because right. you know there's you know right. you think the country listener very conservative um probably is doesn't really like this hyper liberal lieutenant governor but he got he got most of the votes so you know what I mean he's the lieutenant governor I was like I'm not trying to drive a wedge through our listeners, I go, I just think that he's an interesting character. He grew up, you know, in in York County, just south of of Harrisburg. He lived, you know, in Pittsburgh for a while. And I go, let's just talk about the state of Pennsylvania. Let's talk about, you know, uh, amusement parks. Let's talk about sports teams. Let's talk about country music. and. It was a really, really fun interview, like really fun because, and even when he left, he was like, and even when I got fired, he even reached out and was like, Hey, whatever you're doing next, let me know. I'd love to be the first guest because it was just a a fun, entertaining interview that people weren't grilling me on, you know, criminal justice or legalizing marijuana or anything. You know, it was just, it was just a fun hangout session.
0: Yeah, and, and some of the interviews, like, I think it's very flexible, too. So some interviews, I'll ask Rand, hey, what'd you do for Thanksgiving? Uh, and, and we'll start off that way. We'll talk right. about some lighthearted subjects in the area or a great story that I heard about. You know, they raised money for something. He'll, he'll, he seems to always know what's going on here, which is great. Um, but then other times, like the impeachment hearing, the last couple of interviews, it's been all about that. And, you know, I tell his press secretary, hey, again, the rules are, We don't go political. However, I will give Rand a little bit of a leash to talk about factual stuff. Like Republicans did this. Democrats did that. So then you're being fair to everybody. And Rand has really respected that. Uh, so I've built a great rapport with him and, and then Mitch McConnell, uh, is terrific too. He's not as grumpy as you think he is. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and and then a lot of the you know the state reps and and the uh, congressmen that I've had on the show like Brett Guthrie and James Comer have been terrific and they're really more focused local on local issues
2: mm-hmm. than
0: any elected official than you would ever think of so it's really great to have them on to talk just about Kentucky in general. So what um, other
2: what other benchmarks do you have other than that because that's 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 really gutsy to go political on a country station. And, yeah, but you know it's you're. It's a it's a uh big reward, big risk type of situation. Yeah.
0: As long as you maintain it. Yeah. And and that's what I always tell myself, don't let it get out of control and get out of hand or or get yourself caught in a, you know, controversial situation because I feel like if unless you're a spoken word host, that's not our job. Right. And and quite frankly, I'm not a journalist. I'm just not. Um, so, you know, don't be more than what you are. And that's like the biggest lesson I've learned throughout this process here is that right there. Uh, a couple other things that I do, uh, you know, you can never, ever stop being supportive of law enforcement. I've always been a law enforcement supporter. Um, I feel like people jump on that bandwagon, but I've got those people in my family. And I under- and actually, we lost one of my family members who was a police officer. He was shot in the head years ago at a traffic stop, Michael Dino. Um, so, I mean, we've been affected by the the, the the tragedy and the triumphs of being a law enforcement officer directly. So um, I do this thing called Law Enforcement Tuesdays. And basically, I mean, it's real simple. You, you invite, you know, all the county sheriffs, all the local police chiefs, you give them the invitation to come on on a rotating basis. And they just come in a studio for 10 minutes a week. And I create two segments. We talk about the issues they want to talk about. So if they've seen activity by the you know by the convenience store and they want to let the community know they're on it they're watching it like they could talk about that stuff or they could talk about the teddy bear fundraiser they did last month raising ten thousand dollars or just a new initiative
2: where they're putting in more bike lanes and they want people to be right you know down uh, right
0: yeah yeah um So, you know, my most active participants are actually the Kentucky State Police Post here. They're they're on almost every other week now. They love it because our signal covers their entire district. Yeah. So for them, it's terrific. Uh, And then, of course, I'm more hyper-focused on Warren and Barron County. Those are our two primary counties. So we have the, you know, the sheriff's from there and then the local police chiefs from the big towns and the little towns. They're in pretty frequently. Uh, talking about, and, and, you know, the biggest thing I've learned from those segments is don't insert yourself where you don't belong. I'm not a law enforcement officer, so I have no idea what their job is like. Uh, and I think that's a mistake some hosts make when they try to do things like this, uh, step aside and just moderate the conversation and ask them great questions. Uh, don't, don't try to give answers is, is the other bit of advice. I have to younger hosts who are trying to cement themselves in communities. Um, Cause I mean, you know, Uh, let me ask you when you're doing a segment like that, what do you think your role is when
2: it comes to talking with the police officer?
0: Well, you know, or, or say the mayor or the mayor, or the the local judge or a congressman, like how would you approach that?
2: I would probably start off with what did you do for Thanksgiving? And I would try to, you know, make it. And I, and I talked in the last episode with uh, Leah Clacco about this is the art of an interview is just having a conversation. So that's really, it really comes down to listening. So whatever, in the same way that our conversation has flowed, I don't feel like this has been much of an interview. This has just been a conversation. And that's the way that I handled most interviews that I ever did. I would have a list of questions if I needed to, but really I would just, if, if, if the mayor came in, And, you know, I, I would, I would start off talking about very frivolous things and try and then try to just push the conversation toward whatever issues that they were trying to come in and talk about, you know, off of the air, off of the air, I'd be like, are there a couple bullet points that you want to hit? And then I'd be like, okay, so we're just going to, we're just going to riff for a little bit and I'll get there. And as long as, as long as they're comfortable in their own skin, we'll get there.
0: So, you know, one guy, one guy that I watch, uh, sorry to interrupt, but no. one guy, you just made me think of something. One guy that I watch frequently and want to learn how to do a good interview is Dan Patrick. He's a master at it. Um, you know, he'll have, you know, he'll have quarterback from NFL team on, he'll say, Hey, I saw that, you know, you, you were the NFC player of the week. Hey, what's this thing with Hershey's that you're doing right now? He'll like, He'll, he'll he'll transition from a really cool part of the conversation right into what they're there about, uh-huh. and then he comes and then once they say, "Hey, I'm uh, helping Hershey's raise a hundred thousand dollars for this 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 this," man, you hit three fifty last year. Like he just comes right out of it. <laughs> yeah. Like just watch how he does it, and I wish. I mean, I can't do it just like him, but man, I try, right? Because because uh, <laughs> I mean, and he does these live, like you know, he doesn't do it the handicap way, how I do it. I record most, a majority of them because I know I'm going to mess up. I just know it. And it's just, there's just how I, you know, this you've is grown to I do accept
2: I, your faults. <laughs>
0: you yeah, exactly. Them, so yeah. I, I'm going to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Um, but you know, Dan's probably got, you know, between probably more experience than the both of us, you know, combined, um, you know, 40 some years in broadcasting, including radio, at, you know, early points in his career. Um, but, yeah, I would encourage you and others to just watch Dan Patrick do an interview, especially a phone interview where you can't see the person, and just watching how he transitions in and out of questions, and then what they're there about, the meat and bones. You know, they're there to promote a movie or a book or a charity, whatever, um, and he he just, boom, 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 boom. You don't even know it hit you.
2: <laughs> I, um, I love the – I love the – to – look objectively at interviews. I always listen yeah. to uh, Howard Stern and Howard Stern is really like a therapist when he brings, you know, uh, you know, actors or singers or uh, whoever, you know, politicians in, he's like a therapist. He'll be like, you'll be like, okay, you grew up with, uh, you know, your mom and dad, like, what kind of, what kind of father did you have? You know what I mean? Like, was he a loving yeah. guy? And then he would like, he'll tie that kind of stuff into, you know, uh, you know, later conversations and be like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, you uh, he, he just had Hillary Clinton on and he, he was talking about how um, the secret service are really like in her mind, a, a father that he never, that she never had because they're always protecting her, always looking out for her interests. And you know, her father never did that and she's like, "What? Are you d-? You know what I mean? Like Wow. That's like he's like super deep, you know, whenever it comes to getting into uh, you know, like a, a really uh the the heart of the conversation, it going going yeah. places that most interviews don't don't normally go. And I You know, I think that's Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I that's that's kind of not what my hope is for this podcast. I don't really care about what kind of mother or father that you had or anything, but like, you, you know what I mean? You can talk about some deeper things that, that resonates with more people than just radio nerds.
0: Yeah. I, I think that, uh, you make a great point there. It, something I talked to Matt Cundell with on his podcast a few months back was the art of interviewing. I don't believe myself to be a very good interviewer. I don't think I'm very good at it. I think I'm just getting started because quite frankly, most of my career, I wasn't doing that type of stuff. So I'm having to learn as I go. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that radio personalities could pick up if they want to change their industry is to, for everybody that works on the air, is to become an excellent interviewer. And, and, and I know that's not possible in a perfect world. Everybody would be good at it. But I think the majority of us could be really good at it And I think that's our next niche, Uh, especially when, as we move towards a more podcasting type world, radio needs to adopt that. And I think we are at a very good pace, but I think we just need to fully embrace it, put our arms around it, and
2: own it. Yeah, Um, and I think that what you're doing with talking with the politicians, talking with the police chiefs is a a really good start because you think of a radio personality interviewing somebody, maybe the politicians and the police chiefs aren't what you think. You're thinking, oh, they're going to interview the local artist, or they're going to interview a national artist, but it's mostly going to be music-based. So if there is you know, a radio nerd that's listening to this right now, interview anybody. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're, yeah. if you're able to take your phone and plug in a microphone and interview the, the person that works at the bakery. It doesn't matter. Like just, just get used to asking random questions and trying to, yeah. you know, try, try to hone your interviewing skills.
0: Yeah. And you know, another hole in this new technology that that's out now with, with the smartphones and streaming music and all this, okay, I'm not saying we need to give up the fight in the music department by any means. However, I think we need to start limiting ourselves to just being that uh, and, and and maybe branch out more. Uh, so the whole with all this and where radio can really capitalize is now more than ever, our world, our people in this world are so disconnected. Uh, they're connected to their devices but they're disconnected from their world mm-hmm. um, and uh, I mean I had to get on to my kids about this all the time put the devices down and go connect with with other things other than technology so here's where radio capitalizes people listen to podcasting to connect with something that's really what it is it is you want to hear you want to hear a conversation so and, and uh, let me make another point here before I finish that one is You know, I think 20 years ago, a radio personality like myself would say, well, I I can't do an interview. It's not big enough. You know, I I think that's like a common misconception in radio. Well, if I don't have this country artist on my show, you know, it's not a real interview. I I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I have felt that way at times in my career. And now I'm I'm now just realizing, you know what? I talked to the boring mayor for for 30 (laughs) minutes and he told me some really cool stories. Right. Like, and, and that actually happened to me this week. Uh, I saw the mayor at the Christmas tree lighting, which is a huge deal here in Bowling Green. It's like the biggest winter event besides the Christmas parade. So I saw him down there. I've had him in a few times. Came up to me like I was an old friend. He's only known me nine months. Rick, hey, great to see you, man. Oh, man, I love coming into your station. He's never said that to me inside the studio. Yeah. Um, so I, connect, I finally connected with this guy. And I said, hey, why don't you come in this week? Let's talk. So I had him in on Monday, uh, yesterday. And we're, we're talk- and I start off with, hey, it was really good to see you at the Christmas tree lighting. Man, you looked really bubbly, really positive. looks like you were having a great time. And this guy finally opened up to me after nine months of interviewing him. And he said, yeah, well, here's a little bit about the history of the Christmas tree lighting. And he told me a few stories about how it got started some of the big changes over the years, maybe to other people, this would be boring. But to me, I was fascinated by this because he was a completely different person. Because once you connect with these regulars that are in your studio, then you learn things about the city that most people have probably never heard about. And that's what people are there for. They want to hear that stuff. Uh, Cause they're going to go tell so-and-so they know that grew up in this town or grew up a block away from them, it's the same type of stories, And it's like connecting dots. If radio can start connecting more dots with our listeners, I think that's when things change for us in a positive direction.
2: That's a, um, that's a that's a that's a great place to end on, man. We talked about what's yeah. wh- where radio's going, and I think that you uh, you put a nice little bow there at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, is it over? Is it over? I don't want it to be over. We're having so much fun. <laughs> Is this that the end now?
2: <laughs> this has been a really good conversation, man. Honestly. Uh you've you yeah. have, you have a lot of good insights on um, you know, the role of of a personality, the role of a radio station, and uh um I don't think that you're ever gonna find yourself on the beach. Uh, you are you are a, a, oh. a really good a, a really good radio guy. And uh, any any station or any any company would be very proud to have you.
0: Well, thank you. Hey, I, I will say one more thing, if you don't mind. Yeah. I know you probably got to go. Uh, you know, Fred Jacobs is the guy that I really look up to. And uh, another name is Lori Lewis. I really read what they write with their columns. And Fred Jacobs had a really cool column the other day. You might have seen this. He talked about the chair. The chair. And how big companies have that empty chair in their boardroom. And that's that's where the customer sits. Even though they're not visibly there, they're always thinking about what the guy in that chair would would see how they're doing things. And um, I thought it was really cool how he wrote that article. So to anybody listening in radio or in media in general, go read that article by Fred Jacobs. I'm not. He didn't pay me to promote this, by the way. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it, I don't agree with everything he put in the article, but he did make some really solid points on how radio could really adopt that model when they're thinking of format changes or putting together shows or even promotional campaigns, events, things of that nature. How is somebody in that chair going to perceive what you're doing and will it make sense to them? Mm. And that's how, you know, the last year, that's what's really changed my career is thinking in that regard. I should have did it a long time ago. Just think about, the person in that car listening to you, how do they perceive how you're saying things to them? Are you talking with them or are you talking at them? Yeah. That's, that's one of the key things that I think about and, and and then becoming a better interviewer and connecting those thoughts. I mean, that's the bow right there for you. Um, I hope that that advice passes on to younger people who are listening. This is how you're going to change your industry. And, uh, you know, I'm almost 40. You're almost the same age as me. Mm -hmm. Will I be doing this in 20 years? I don't know. Um, So we're at a turning point right now for all this young talent that's coming in, learning how to, like, find their way. I think these are the things that you need to be listening to by Chachi's podcast here. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink. Um, To find out the real inside and, and not necessarily the way it's always been done, but find the right way for you to become an excellent talent.
2: On Twitter, it's at on air with Rick with a K. Uh, follow him on Twitter. You'll be one of the twenty six thousand people that do, and uh, make sure that you listen or, to him. Oh.
0: Or or sixty six thousand on Facebook, facebook.com dot forward slash on air with Rick, or the other twenty six thousand on Instagram, which is on air with Rick. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that many people care about what I have to
2: say. <laughs> well, you've, you've been, you've been a lot of different places. So you've had a lot of people to, uh, to grab onto and uh, make sure you follow yeah. his station as well on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at goober 95 one.
0: Yes. And follow the face for radio podcast. Uh, I, I did a podcast a few months ago with Matt Cundell. It was excellent. And Chachi, you, you did not disappoint, man. This is a, Really cool experience, and I encourage uh, any other radio people or media people, get on this podcast. It's going to be the next big thing.
2: I'll tag you on, um, uh, on the post, and I'll be talking to you soon.
0: All right, man. Thanks for having me, and uh, have yourself a great night. Big Rick, hey,
2: Merry Christmas to you. You too. Ho, ho, ho.